This is a Federal News Network podcast. New is a word breaking out all over the defense establishment this week. The Navy is looking at how a new normal might look for both sailors and civilians. The Army also contemplates a new future for how biology fits into its post-pandemic operations. Those are just a couple of the topics Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Mossioni cover in this week's DOD Reporter's Notebook. And Jared, let's start with the newest new, and that is a new Navy secretary coming in with quite an agenda. Yeah, and he's he is. I will say a little bit of a cipher. We did we did not get a whole bunch of information about what his main priorities and agenda items were going to be during his confirmation hearing, and not much more during his message to the fleet that he sent out on Friday. He has made made clear that he thinks, and and it's almost an obvious statement at this point that the Navy has suffered from pretty serious leadership failures over the past year or so. I mean, remember he is replacing a Navy secretary who was fired and an undersecretary of the Navy who was fired. Before that, of course, you had the the admiral who was supposed to become the new chief of naval operations having to suddenly take retirement uh, because of a mini scandal that he was facing. So a a huge amount of leadership tumult at the top of the Department of the Navy um, over the past six months or so. Mr. Braithwaite would be the, or actually is now, the the first confirmed Secretary of the Navy since November. He said very clearly in his confirmation hearing that he thinks the Navy has been in, quote, rough waters. And and he mentioned a few other scandals that we didn't mention, including the the entire uh, Fat Leonard affair, the ship collisions in 2017, the issues with uh, the Navy legal system. So uh, he's he's got he's he's at least teed up problems that that he acknowledges are problems without giving real clear solutions yet as to exactly how he's going to tackle them. Which is fair. It's only his uh, second day on the job. Sure, and none of those problems are totally tied up and dealt with. I would say, even the Fat Leonard, still probably years of litigation to go. I, th- I think that's right. Both criminal and and civil issues still going on with with that case. I mean, it, it was a very extensive web of criminality, um, and so yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That is still unwinding. And Scott, you're writing about a new normal for everyone else in the Navy nowadays. Right. Well, this one is uh, more about uh, problems that they're facing biologically than than legally. And uh, this is really how sailors and civilians are going to be returning to their physical work locations. The Naval District Washington Recovery Working Group is uh, how they're trying to figure this out. And uh, it's developing plans for how health regulations are going to be loosened within the Navy. Right now, there's 90% that are really working uh, telework and the other 10% are trying to uh, you know, do things in, in person. Uh, the group's just deciding really how to bring people back onto its installations, um, you know, how, they're going to, how many they're going to bring back at a time. One of the really big concerns is the amount of supplies that they're going to need, like face masks and hand sanitizers, um, making sure that the supply chain for that is coming in. Uh, at, at the right pace. Uh, and then, you know, you have to remember there, this is within the whole Defense Department guidelines for installations. These installations have the power to open up uh, themselves uh, after if with he- the health restrictions, but they have to make sure there's a 14-day decline in coronavirus and also make sure that there's uh, hospital capacity available. And ditto, Scott, for the Army. It's looking at its future in the new biological regime, whatever that might look like. Yeah, this one's a little more strategic when it comes to that. Uh, Army Futures Command General Mike Murray said that they're really looking at four scenarios in the decades to come that really bring in the coronavirus and other biological pandemic um, avail- possibilities, really. Um, and he said, you know, the further out you go, the wider it gets when you're, you're looking at this view. But they're trying to start way far out in the future and then bring back. Uh, part of Futures Command has this medical research arm to it. And, uh, you know, what the medical research arm told 
General Murray is that over the past 60 years, they've only had two new coronavirus. Now in the past 16 years, they've had five new viruses emerge in the world. So these coronaviruses and possibly other biological agents are something that the military is going to have to take into account. Yeah, sounds like in six months we'll be swimming in it. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni and Jared Serbu. And switching gears from germs and scandals, the chief management officer is looking for a billion dollars in help for business transformation. We've heard this before. Jared. Yeah, we, we we just talked about business transformation in the CMO a few weeks ago, remember, when the Defense Business Board reported that the CMO's office has largely failed to enact business transformation across the Defense Department. This new IDIQ contract that the CMO is getting ready to, to kick off is aimed at exactly that, business transformation in three separate areas, management and professional services, studies, research and analyses, and evaluation expertise. $1 billion is the ceiling, so we don't know for sure that they'll actually get to that amount, but they say they're estimating at least $250 million over the next five years, so a huge sum of money no matter what. And again, all focused on that area that, according to the Defense Business Board, has not gotten sufficient attention from DOD. And this is a tough one because there has been a CMO for a few years there has been business transformation, I'm guessing going back 17 or 20 years, some kind of an effort to update systems in the Defense Department, which in some essence date back to the McNamara era of the 1960s. Sure. And they yeah, have- and, and this this formalized structure, you know, really predates the chief management officer. It right. goes back to the deputy chief management officer, which stood up in the in the late two thousands. But but as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Defense Business Board's view on that is that the, the, it's never been in the right place in the DoD organizational structure to actually influence the department to make the hard decisions that you need to make, um, and. and Frankly, it's hard to see how a bunch of extra contract support is going to change that fundamental problem, but at least it may put some uh, more analytical rigor behind some of the things the CMO thinks they need to do. Well, I think it should be in the secretary's office. You need a McNamara, a Rumsfeld, a Gates, you know, the really strong secretaries who would say, guys, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and I think we've seen over the years that you can actually achieve some of those changes if you have a secretary in the seat who really cares about management issues and is willing to invest, you know, the political capital, for lack of a better word, on on those topics. And sometimes you have that and sometimes you don't. All right. Well, and I guess if you have good business processes, that's the best way to justify paying for the fun stuff, the guns. And that's exactly Mark Esper's argument that we need to show that we're being responsible with the rest of our taxpayer funds before we ask for more acquisition budgets. And finally, Jared, the other issue coming up this week is contractors and COVID liability. This is a issue that is showing up in a variety of venues. What's going on in the DOD sphere? Not, not a lot is going on. I think that's different from what a lot of commercial companies are thinking about at this point. You know, what legal liability do I face if, if I bring employees back and they, and, and they suddenly get infected? The slight difference in, in the contracting world is that since defense companies have been declared as critical infrastructure, I think there's a sense that we're almost being compelled by the government to possibly put employees in situations that we might not other, otherwise put them in. So that being the case, if someone gets sick, and especially if it's in a government facility, who bears the legal liability for that? Is it the contractor, since they're a contractor employee? Is it the government, since they're working in a government facility and we're here you know, at the behest of the government to some extent? So there are, there are questions that the National Defense Industrial Association has raised in particular after hearing from some of their members on this. All right. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu, thanks so much. Thank you. And Scott Mossioni. 
Thanks, Tom. Check out their latest DOD Reporter's Notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.